0: Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast about games that you can play in your airplane seat uh, for 10 and a half hours. My name is Mark Uessa.
1: I'm Daniel Winter. Sounds like you've been getting some good use out of your Steam Deck there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's what it exists for. Although, you know, the battery life will, good luck if you can get more than two hours. So make sure you bring your adapter along or you'll be very upset.
1: <laughs> have a little flight coming up next month actually So maybe I should uh, look into some options like that
0: There you go, yeah Yeah, there's actually a lot of players on the market But let's talk about I'll talk about that during the news segment Which uh, is a great great segue
1: Yeah Let's well, roll I'll, right um, into it
0: <laughs> Sure, what's, what's news to you? just because it was on the tip of my tongue right there we were talking about steam deck and it's getting kind of hot and heavy in that market there's quite a few players now that exist in that segment and it's kind of nice how it's not just one or the other there was this one from uh asus i believe i mentioned a little while ago Mm -hmm. yeah and then the the marketing or the just the buzz about it was like flavor a versus flavor b flavor a is better no flavor b is is the best and you know (laughs) those sorts of console war type Uh, fanboy (laughs) fests are the worst right so now there's a third player on the market and there are others smaller names but here's a third player on the market from a more known distributor basically it's called the lenovo legion go Okay, And Leno- Lenovo is, of course, a, a very well-known company, does the does the think books that oh. IBM themselves used to do. Oh, so yes, Lenovo yeah. is a Chinese company that bought out that brand and kind of took it, took it over. And Lenovo has actually made the last two computers that I've purchased. One was a gaming laptop and the other one is a, a gaming desktop. So I actually am a, a bit of a fan of theirs. And the latest one is pretty cool. It's the largest of the set. Basically, it comes with kind of switch like detachable controllers. You might think, oh, that's cute. They're just doing the same thing. They're actually (laughs) not. Uh, It comes with this really robust kickstand, which kind of reminds me more of like a service laptop sort of thing. So very, very premium. And then a lot of people have complained that the Steam Deck and Ally are not very great like FPS machines because Mm. like you're kinda, the controls are like glued to the screen, right? So you can't like sit back and do it. So basically what the detachable remotes let you do is you got a a nice you know D-pad that replaces the WASD and the right controller actually can switch into a detachable mouse. Oh, so instantly, you know, in in the flick of a yeah. switch, basically, you can go from um, handheld console experience to tabletop like FPS PC gamer experience. So it's a lot of details. It's not even out yet, or it's coming out this month. So there's not any uh, legit reviews out there, but. I'm just excited that there's more players in the market, and then it's going to become more of a you know legitimate ground for conversation in, in comparison.
1: Yeah, I mean, it never hurts to have more options out there as a consumer. And, and these are just technology in the sense of just having an option to plug your Steam account into. There's no exclusivity to, to fight over here. So it's right. purely a flavor of what form factor do you prefer? Uh, yeah, that's or what right. Portable mouse do you prefer? Uh, what yeah, it's, controllers? It's,
0: it's not just a novelty anymore. And I think Windows has even promised that they're going to do a lot towards making their OS work better at that resolution for those types of computers. So mm-hmm. that's an exciting factor as well.
1: That said, I mean, the, the more models that are out there the more work publishers have to do to make them compatible and that's not necessarily going to happen in all cases so yeah, there might be I, some I issues there
0: pc game developers already have to do that yeah, with yeah. any number of configurations <laughs> so i think that's just part and parcel to the game they're playing
1: absolutely Well, uh, I'm have been closely following crowdfunding these last couple of weeks, at least trying to, because it's been a packed couple of weeks on on the Kickstarter alone. We have Nocturne, the new game from Flatout Games. We have Old King's Crown, this sort of beautifully illustrated big box strategy game uh, that I've seen. Apparently it's like a lane battler, something akin to like like Dota or something, I guess. But but card based, not not like minis or anything, more strategy focused. Uh, you've got All Play. Uh, previously, board game tables have a new bundle out. I've been enjoying the last bundle from them. More on that later. Um, and including a, a a reprint of Through the Ages, the old. I think it's a Rainer Knizia classic. Have you played Through the Ages? No, sorry, not through the ages, through the, through the, through the desert, through the desert. <laughs> yeah, through the ages
0: is a totally different thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yes. camels, the, the um, pastel camels. <laughs> I haven't played
0: the camels one, no. I have played through okay. the ages, though.
1: I think that's Reiner And there's, there's, there's some other uh, Reiner Knizia, a new game from him, I don't even remember the name of. There's just so many games to keep track of right now. Uh, well, one small one that, that potentially hasn't gotten much buzz is called Reforest. It's a small box game I saw being demoed at Terminal City Tabletop Convention here earlier in the year. It's it's from a, a couple of designers somewhere in BC, uh, I think somewhere up, up north, the relatively local game. And then that, that looks cute, like a little small box game all about... Like a, a a forest ecosystem, lots of trees looks, looks looks similar to sort of wingspan, but for trees, and it's just a a, a small uh, box of games, and I think Kickstarter is better suited for small designs like that, that might not otherwise have the chance to be published. And that's all comes down to like, I'm, I'm just so exhausted from crowdfunding right now, to be honest. <laughs> it's so hard to keep up with these and the, the, the just the wall of text for every single one and, and trying to keep up with the updates. And I, I've been struggling to keep up with, with crowdsourcing as a, as a platform broadly. I don't know if you had any, any thoughts on on the state of that right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, um, I don't really follow them that closely, but that said, I can think of probably two or three campaigns that caught my interest in the last six months. So I'm not entirely detached from it. I've been more interested in tabletop role playing games and ba- backing those is fairly easy because the lowest buy-in other than the $1 say hello sort of thing is just the PDF, which could not be easier, right? There's a pretty like decent price. Sometimes it's ten bucks. Sometimes it's fifteen or twenty. Like that's pretty easy to swallow if you're really into it or just uh, want to support the project. So, uh-huh. and it, I, I just it's less confusing all these kind of packages. And you know, I, I feel like in the the tabletop gaming space, you want all the goodies. They're going to give you the table presence, right? You, you yes, want the the yeah. wow effect and. Why even back a Kickstarter unless you're going to get some exclusives? Otherwise, you could just wait till retail or something like that. Exactly.
1: So. I mean, I, I'm increasingly of a mind, that, that mind that, I mean, I feel like my collection's at a pretty good state right now. I don't need a whole bunch of new games. And it's it's just, it feels increasingly hard to make an informed decision when you, you're trying to, when you're looking at backing a game that won't be in your collection for a year or two. And that, that by which time they might not be suitable. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an old discussion, but increasingly it's, it's feeling quite prescient and just, I, I don't need these games. They don't need to be on Kickstarter. I feel, I feel often in times. It's the, 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 it's become such of a norm for games to go onto Kickstarter when it feels like they don't often need to. And not to name any particular names, but there's some pretty big publishers that could quite easily be taking things to retail, but it's just, it's a free marketing tool now to a big degree uh it's a i mean it's a big help for for cash flow in some in some regards but it doesn't really leave the 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 consumer uh in a a informed place in terms of like looking at robust reviews or knowing what they like knowing they enjoy a game before they get all those deluxified components and the 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 FOMO and yeah I'm a a bit burnt out from the 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 whole system right now but I'll I'll make exceptions for various like smaller uh, independent publishers things that I know I won't be able to get elsewhere
0: yeah for sure i think the last couple i backed were for books so that's pretty easy you know you're paying for the printing you're paying for the art essentially depending on the publisher uh if they can afford it or not and uh one interesting project i backed i think it was not kickstarter officially it was one another crowdfunding platform maybe Backer or maybe not but it was for the a interesting concept you know i told you about those fighting fantasy books
1: Yes, yeah. Like, instead of choose your own adventure, it was with some role-playing?
0: With some light elements? role-playing. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. There was a project to republish those as card games. Oh. So basically, and there was a, a tabletop designer involved in them. I think it was someone notable, like maybe Martin Wallace or something like that.
1: Well, wasn't Bas- the, the original series was... Oh, you know what? I'm, I think I'm getting confused. Who was the... Uh, Steve Jackson. But I think it's a right. different Steve Jackson <laughs> than, than, than the game designer. Uh, there's Possibly. a few Steve Jacksons out there.
0: <laughs> Possibly, yeah. So uh, it, it was just a really tempting uh, idea. And I was also thinking of my eldest kid in mind for like something that you could play very soloable. So I thought that was an interesting concept. And I backed that. And I'm looking forward to receiving it. Excellent. Okay, uh, yes, that's about it for me with Kickstarters. But there is a project that announcement that I heard that was mm-hmm. kind of interested in, also kind of concerned about. But anyway, <laughs> okay, everyone out there should get ready for their first role-playing game slash board game with microtransactions because they just announced the Diablo tabletop RPG and board game coming in 2024. From uh, at least the website is uh, glasscannonunplugged dot com slash Diablo, so you can go check out the campaign. And it's not coming for a while, so I'm sure there'll be more information coming soon.
1: Yeah, I'd missed this. I guess this was announced at BlizzCon, which, I, which I've not really kept up with this year, and I'm not familiar with that publisher either. Are you familiar with anything else they've, they've put no. out?
0: First time I've ever heard of, heard their name, which is a little concerning.
1: Well, so they're not a glass cannon. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know how interested I am in a in a Diablo role playing game. I I mean, I like those games. I don't necessarily love the world that they're set in. I don't, I don't want to spend time in that world, if you know what I mean. The characters, the setting, artness, like, the vibes sure, but I don't want to role play a person. Like that feels like a, a pretty miserable experience. Uh, Yeah, the the story. Separated from this clicking on things and fireballs and loot.
0: (laughs) The story and the world is not what I go to Diablo for. Uh, But it looks like this company, Glass Cannon, has done a lot of board game slash video game crossovers. So they're the ones responsible for Frostpunk, the board game, based on the popular PC game, of course, Dying Light, the board game, Apex Legends. The board game, interesting, and of course Diablo forthcoming as well. So I guess that's kind of their thing—is conversions.
1: Fair enough. I did hear good things about that Frostpunk uh, adaptation. The the uh, involved setup, <laughs> withstanding, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm curious how that will play out. I'm surprised they're not going with World of Warcraft role playing game, which seems like a much more richer and and, and broader setting to play in but this is quite possibly uh sort of testing the waters somewhat before they they go big with that
0: yeah yeah that's actually a really good point it's like that seems like a no-brainer in terms of a uh, dnd uh, competitor maybe they're not ready to back it up with enough of the supplements that you would need to do to fully flesh out that world of world of warcraft because that's like what like a 20 20 plus year old franchise right
1: Yeah, you know, I'd be all down for revisiting that world sometime. But Diablo, yeah, not necessarily a world I want to hang out in.
0: (laughs) No doubt. Me neither. I just thought it was newsworthy to mention.
1: Interesting. We'll, We'll keep an eye out on that.
0: Very cool. All right. Any more news or should we move on to our playlist? Let's jump to it. Great. You want to start us off?
1: Yeah. So I have been playing a game that... I, I I treated myself to a new game that's not on Game Pass, and that is Alan Wake Two. Now I could have sworn that we did we featured the original Alan Wake on an episode. I, I couldn't find any instance of that. Maybe maybe it's been written out of reality. I'm not sure. I, at the very least, I know we we, we gave our impressions as we're, we're both playing it around the same time i believe
0: yeah i definitely finished it but i think that was around the time that i got covid so probably ah. <laughs> probably things the first time i got COVID. so probably things fell off the tracks right around then Talk maybe, about rewriting reality, yeah yeah uh
1: yeah so i I've, I've been a big defender of alan wake and all of its weirdness and it hasn't necessarily dated the best but just it was going for something completely different and the that whole mix of of finish heavy metal with with cosmic horror and pacific northwest vibes uh, it, it just right up my alley so I, I i just i just eat that up and especially now having just finished watching twin peaks i'm primed to have a much better understanding of like what inspired this so much of of twin peaks the, the quirkiness and the setting uh, went into the original game and curiously this new game is very much inspired by the the, Twin Peaks The Return, which that was a series 25 years after the original, Alan Wake now coming 13 years after the original, and similarly having a, a different tone in that it's much darker, leaning much more into the horror elements rather than the sort of the, the pulpy Stephen King sh- like sh- shooting, sh- shooting zombies uh, element. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating game that I've been I've been struggling to wrap my head around, and I I think Twin Peaks has primed me most of all for not not necessarily disappointment, but for not for getting. Not getting what I expected, to <laughs> that way, and and just rolling with it and and seeing how it ends up. And it's I'm I'm loving the the the, the setting. I so said it's it's much more. a lot of police procedural elements here with one one of the new characters, and and Alan. You're playing as Alan for the other half with with this sort of very near noir nightmare realm but based on sort of new york with like these gorgeous neon lights everywhere the lighting in this game is incredible the the pacific northwest is always it's always at like this twilight or golden hour some very good god rays here shall we say so that, that that's great it has some great vibes it's a great game for just go being for just vibing in and just walking around slowly. And that's something I really appreciate in games. Just, I love a game that I can just take my time with and just soak up all the little details and, and and not just be rushing to the next objective highlighter on my, on my HUD. Uh, and it's a great game for that, but I, I'm struggling a little bit with the story. I mean, I, I it's, it's fair to say, I don't understand it, which I, I'm, I'm hoping it will, will make a little more sense by the end, but it's not that I don't, follow what's happening it's more that there's very little reality to sort of hold on to here like it's, it's very much about reality bending themes but there's not those sort of stories work best when you have a strong sense of reality to have as a point of reference and from the get-go here things are just off in the in very strange ways that make you think that all of these characters could just be fictional constructs. None of them are real. Like one of you, you you're playing as a Saga, one of the new character, but her partner is Alex Casey, who is named or has the same name as the protagonist of Alan Wake's books. She has the, the same face as Sam Lake, uh, aka. Max Payne, who is the sort of lead designer at Remedy. Uh, so that's very distracting. Um, and it's a sort of very nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But it's hard. obviously, they're going to tie it into the story, but I don't know in what way yet. So it's it's, it's very weird and hard to sort of to, to get a good handle on what's happening yet. I mean, during the ride, there's some fantastic set pieces. There's a whole interactive rock opera section that was pretty incredible. And it is playing with, it's playing with ideas that I love. And so, and for that, I will continue on, but it's not necessarily cohering in a, in a interesting way just yet.
0: The original Island Wake certainly didn't feel relaxing. Like you could not take your time. I feel like that was (laughs) constantly pushing you forward. I did play through that. I did enjoy it. Um, And, and I particularly did enjoy that little, Series within a game that was very much Twin uh, Oh n- twin, n- Night Springs? <laughs> well, Night it was Springs, well Twilight Zone actually exactly it was Twilight Zone inspired and I I remember standing there for a while in like a dodgy cabin in the woods watching
1: the mini episodes of those play out so well,
0: that's, that's what a I very love about this game.
1: Every time I can just walk around the, the the town, talk to the quirky residents, read notebooks, watch the whatever weird thing is on TV. That's that's when I love this game. The any of the actual game mechanics really get in the way of that. I find like the, they've lent in the horror a little much. Like there's this constant flashes of screaming faces at you. That's just like just jump scares that just feel a little, like they happen so often. It's a little much. And the, I think they say the combat is worse here. And just that I have, I feel like there's very little feedback about what I, how I'm influencing the enemies or where they're even coming from. Uh, and I, I felt maybe it'd be better if I'm wearing headphones, but then I'd have those screaming voices in my ears, and I, I, I can't do that to myself. So, yeah, I, I, a, lot of, a lot of things aren't explained very well in terms of the actual mechanics. And I'm, I'm more for having the actual story be a little unknowable, but when you don't even know how the mechanics work, it just adds a lot of friction that's unnecessary.
0: Hmm, that's kind of surprising. I mean, their last game, Control. I thought the action was very tight in in that particular game.
1: Yeah, well, that was that was much more of an action game. This is trying to be more of a survival horror, and I just feel like you don't the, the way the enemies just rush at you, and and you don't really know where they. It's very hard to know where the enemies are coming from, and the way they provide tension and just have the enemies rush straight at you or from behind you, and not like I have very little feedback about what I'm what I'm looking at, and whether my flashlight is working on them, whether my guns are doing damage, it feels like. It's just, yeah, I'd, I'd like a little more feedback on, as to what's going on.
0: Right. Maybe you're not supposed to know. It adds <laughs> to the, the creepy the creepy atmosphere. Um, speaking of survival horror, uh, one game I just happened to boot up because I've been meaning to for a long time, plus it was uh, you know Halloween not too long ago, was the Resident Evil 2 remake so i fondly remember resident evil 2 one of the you know my favorite games of the sort of early playstation era although i don't remember if that was that was ps2 right i I was
1: not in on the the playstation era of games to be honest
0: (laughs) okay well resident evil 2 was pretty darn great for one of those early games and it was remarkable for having sort of the the two protagonists. It sounds maybe, perhaps similar to *Alan Wake*, <laughs> except hmm. in this, in *Resident Evil 2*, you could explicitly start as protagonist one or protagonist two, as Leon or Claire, and you could play them in either order. Which I thought. Oh, and, was and the, cool. the
1: whole the whole game is played from that player's pers- from that character's perspective, right?
0: No, there's basically like two acts, but you can play them in oh. either order. Oh, okay. And they don't like they sometimes cover the same ground, like their paths cross, but they're not doing the same things. They're going to different places and then they overlap at points. So I thought that was very cool. And Resident Evil 2 Remake definitely lives up to, well, it It makes me feel like the game I remembered, but plays much more smoothly and the graphics look about a billion times better. (laughs) I mean, some of those old PlayStation 1 and 2 era games, they were horrific kind of because of the graphics, you know, as in like their textures were so bad. Silent Hills, original Silent Hills and their like haze vision or whatever
1: comes And so much mind. of the horror came from that. Like, That's I right. The low people... fidelity. Yeah. Or the, 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 fog, the fog was actually there to do, like, hide the fact that they couldn't load in like enough assets, but in hindsight became one of the scariest things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. This, this is the exact opposite because uh, the fatality is so high. The c- scary creatures and the zombies look so good. They all are differently designed now. They all have excellent sounds and there's just these nice, like, graphical touches, like the, wounds that they're taking that there our hero heroes are taking are very, very clearly kind of noticeable, included in the sounds. So I won't go on and on except to say that Resident Evil 2 was was a pleasant surprise after all this time. It definitely lives up to the legacy of that game. And it actually makes some connections to the game we're covering in our main segment.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Funny enough because it's <laughs> such a it's such a puzzle game and i just love it like i love this era of puzzles. those puzzles games.
1: are so dumb in a good way. <laughs>
0: they're they're dumb but they they're so they're so much of a gosh darn video game, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. a capital V capital It's like, G. like an
1: escape room basically, <laughs> escape room logic.
0: Exactly, and you know, with with zombies chasing you, which is makes it all the more exciting. So i love that. And yeah, i guess it's following along with uh, the spooky spooky month.
1: Yeah I play, I played that one a couple of years ago and had a good time it was my first experience with uh, the, the older Resident Evil games but it was, it was a great setting I remember, like that the first section at least where you're exploring the manor uh that was just you really get to learn that one location it's sort of like a Dark Souls environment it's sort of the way it loops in on itself and you gradually unlock new shortcuts and and ways of getting it around and uh, yeah, that was, that was a, a great experience. The, the, the later half was a little more inconsistent from from memory, but uh good You're writing. talking about Resident okay. Evil 1? The, 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 the 2 remake.
0: Yeah, 2 is, is the police department.
1: Oh, so the police station, not the like, It's kind of like in, a, in a, an old manner though, right?
0: The story is that it what used to be the art gallery.
1: Right. Or yeah. a
0: museum of the town, and it was converted into a police station. That's why it has all these odd sculptures and very, you know, kind of ostentatious, kind of neoclassical architecture to it.
1: Very, very spooky old Gothic building. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> you, you need, like, the, the setting kind of becomes uh, the protagonist of the game, right? It's it's sort of a character.
1: Especially once you've been in the game.
0: <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> just like Resident Evil 1, the mansion was so much of a. Like an obvious character and and so so alive, you know the the setting really makes a Resident Evil game, and that also counts as a failing of some of the less popular ones, like three and five, for instance. Uh, but I go on too much about Resident Evil. The next game I played, I'll just mention for two seconds because it was uh, a game you were talking about recently, Lies of P. I tried that oh, yes. boss fight. I couldn't get past, and then we recorded our last episode. I booted it up one more time, and I beat the boss right away. So,
1: there. as is always the case, yeah,
0: yeah, I haven't it's played gonna, much that more muscle than
1: memory that. is just sort of soaking in a little bit.
0: <laughs> there you go. Or maybe you you gave me confidence to to do it.
1: There you go. I have actually returned to that uh, partly because I've been distracted by by Alan Wake. Uh, let's get to the some tabletop games. Uh, there's some other stuff I played. I've been playing more, more Fallout 76, still enjoying that, but uh, I don't want don't to wanna belabor it. So uh, on the tabletop space, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, I recently got an all-play bundle. So they tend to put their Kickstarters up in, in sort of packages of, of three or four that you can sort of a la carte choose from. Of course, it's very hard not to just get all of them. Uh, so this is the most recent one that was fulfilled. What was It, it was Sail, Couture, space, and di- Chomp, Chomp, dino, with, with the dinosaurs. So yeah, I've played uh, all of those except Couture now, but the one that I think really stands out for me is Sail. So that's what I, I wanted to talk about here. So I've, I've been in a bit of a mood for trick-taking lately. I've... I've developed a a taste for that and have been trying to sort of explore that realm of mechanics that it's it's fascinating to see how you can use that 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 one mechanic in in so many unique ways and this is a two-player only cooperative trick-taking game that you're using to manipulate this little. You've got a board, with uh, you. You're you're a ship on this sort of grid, and you're trying to get from one end to the other. And there's all kinds of islands and and krakens and obstacles in your way. But the way you move forward is by playing tricks. So you you'll play you'll each play a card into a trick, and basically those cards have numbers on them. Uh, there's three suits, one through nine, but they all also have a symbol, like all the all the fours and all the fives have cannons on them, all the nines have mermaids on them. And so basically you play your card each and the combination of symbols will have a result, whether that's the Kraken attacks or you get to move forward or you cannon blast the Kraken back. And so the, the key of this coming down to the fact that you can't actually communicate with each other. You can't just say what numbers, what numbered cards you have in your hand. So it, 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 it's a fascinating study of using trick taking as a communication language and how you, like w- what cards you play and how you, what you're trying to communicate with that. You, you get a hand of cards and then you you at the start of each round, you like trade one card. And what are you trying to communicate that are you trying to communicate that you have all of the, of this particular symbol, or you're trying to get out of a particular suits I'm finding it a really interesting puzzle just every time you find a new technique or a new sort of t- tactic, it's, it's, it's quite thrilling. I do. It does feel like that you will eventually sort of hone in on a system to sort of solve it. you like, even with you intend to or not, you'll, you'll come up with a sort of implicit system that when you, it's just a flow state, basically. You'll get better at the game, and and that communication will will be much more smoother. There's a, but there are a lot of uh, like difficulty levels. Like there are scenarios, but basically there's difficulty levels that that are make you you have to go longer to get to the end. So I'm really enjoying that right now. Uh, if you've, it's it's tough to get to the table with like being like two players only. But I I have have been having a great, a great time exploring sail.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of any of those games that you mentioned, but I presume that they're one of those like mini game bundles.
1: Yes, yeah, and I've got another one coming in the next month or two that's for trick taking games. So uh, I'm 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 my uh, I'm really hungry for for more of that genre now.
0: I'll talk about my only tabletop experience I had this past couple of weeks, which was of note, which was I completed the second part of my two-part Halloween tabletop role-playing game special. It was like it was a two-shot, if you want to call it that. Um, I think I mentioned it in brief another episode, so I'll just say that it was uh, Stranger Stuff, which is a multi-system setting by, I think they're called Fat. Goblin games. And this one was using the Tiny D6 system. Really enjoyed that. Uh, and it went well. I was able to cleanly finish it off in two sessions uh, without going over. And we had some spooky good times. And uh, it was a really kind of fun to play in a different genre. Then I get to do like horror I never do um, although I, I really in, enjoyed this one. And it was also fun to do that sort of Stranger Things type period piece because it was modern, but it was also in a period I knew very well, for having grown up myself in the eighties. So I like I would even go on websites and look up what was the popular movie. that was happening during the summertime or during the fall of that year or what songs were on the radio. And the other players were all about, you know, my age too. So they also got to kind of go in a time machine back to their youth. And it was all very fluid because everyone kind of remembered being a kid at that time, having sleepovers, going to elementary school, going to high school, growing up in small towns, uh, dealing with teachers, dealing with bullies and dealing with, you know, just social pressure of that sort of thing. So it was really fluid and I, I, I could tell that the players were enjoying themselves from a, you know, from a perspective of really being able to take on the characters. So uh, I just thought that went well, that system is really fun and I recommend it. It's Stranger Stuff using the Tiny D6 role-playing system.
1: Awesome. I, I imagine horror is, is quite hard to nail for role playing as as both like a collaborative experience, and like based on you, you don't know what to expect from from the players basically. So it's very like horror is often. I mean, it's easiest when you when it's a very curated experience. So, how, what is the source of horror in in this exactly? How did, how does that sort of play out?
0: I haven't done it extensively, so I I kind of watched some videos seeking advice as to how best to do horror and there's sort of two schools of thoughts there's kind of like horror theme like yeah, kind of the trappings of horror uh-huh. and then there's the feel of horror kind of like the tension and whatnot and the basic recommendations that the people on youtube are saying was basically you can't achieve horror if you are playing a power fantasy
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Because basically, like all of the heroes (laughs) of Dungeons and Dragons or Savage Worlds or systems that are very much like Biff Pow, you're the hero sort of thing. They're all meant to empower you, which is the opposite of what a good horror story should do is you should feel fragile. Right. You should mm. feel tense. You should feel like you're kind of not up to the task, like Freddy or Jason should be that much more freaky than you because they they're kind of like, I don't know, incomprehensible super creatures or like even the um, Xenomorph from Alien or something like that. Right. Uh, you're supposed to relate to the protagonists of those stories because they're like kind of everyday people. So playing as children was perfect because they're <laughs> naturally, you know, fragile. And they're they're not empowered, right? In day-to-day life, children are not empowered to do things for themselves. So that's kind of the excitement of that setting, Stranger Stuff, Stranger Things, Kids on Bikes, Tales from the Loop, is that you are one of those disempowered people, but you get to come up with cool solutions. And the other side uh, I would recommend for horror is that you can instill fear and tension in your players by not revealing things, you know, by hinting, hinting at things and you're giving
1: information. Yeah. Right.
0: And you, you kind of <laughs> let them, you kind of let them spin their, the gears in their minds being like, Oh, we should, we should do this because we might get attacked in this manner, or we might get trapped in this manner. And basically the first half of the first session, the, the kids, the players, characters were setting up for a sort of a avenue of attack, which was not in the story whatsoever. They just imagined it was going to happen. So
1: that's part of the fun. I mean, the classic and, and, one is, is the GM asking their players to roll a perception check. And even if they all all high, Oh no, you, you didn't see anything. It's all fine.
0: Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that's sort of a, a cheap trick actually is yeah, like yeah. perception tests are <laughs> the antithesis of role-playing games because it's, Because it's just a die roll, you know? You should give people choices, right? You should give people choices, and they should decide how they want to tackle something, not like, you know, you have advantage or you don't, or you see the attack coming or you don't. It's like you you should set them up with a scenario and let them choose how to deal with it. I don't know, just my opinion.
1: That's fair. Yeah, and imagine horror does work better, too, in these smaller or shorter one-off experiences too, where you can more tightly control that sort of pacing and, and tone.
0: Yeah, possibly. Although, if you play with characters that you have nurtured for a long time, you kind of have more stakes, though, right? Because you have an emotional attachment. So but
1: then you're yeah. but then the power of fantasy comes into play more when you're, when you're so invested in the characters. <laughs>
0: Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I know that you uh, have enjoy horror, so it'd be interesting to see uh, what your perspective is on uh, running horror games.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've uh, what what did I just get in? Zhang was was uh, was it was a while a while back. I got that in, but I was I was tempted to, to try that out at some point. That definitely plays with some horror themes.
0: Yeah, and there was the Vaisen, the Vaisen books right, that yes, you Right, yes, that's were what I was
1: thinking of, yeah. About? Yeah, v- Vaisen, yeah, which is sort of Hellboy, Arkham Horror, sort of very Sc- Scandinavian Gothic horror.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I read a little bit of that book, and they were also talking- It seemed also a little bit like Fay slash like yeah, Grimm's, Grimm's Brothers, yeah. kind of like just darkish- For-
1: folklore that is again very unknowable right. and sort of esoteric uh you know you can never fully know what's going on there
0: <laughs> yeah and i think the game is like explicitly set in the 18th century or something like that which is an interesting yeah. choice because like that it's true what they say in the book is like that period is such a cusp
1: between different eras? Pre pre industrialization. Or sort of yeah, pre pre modernization at least in terms of the the, the old the old
0: <sighs> the old and the new coexisting or, yeah. or at least transitioning.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, because that <laughs> creates that creates tension too, right? Like societal exactly. tension.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The old gods being flushed out of their homes.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, what do you think? Should we talk about the the main event?
1: Let's, let's ponder some orbs.
0: That's right. Let's head into that mind
1: space. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll be back to talk about Cocoon. Okay, welcome back. And we are talking about Cocoon, not the Ron Howard film. This is the new video game from Geometric Interactive and published by Annapurna Interactive.
0: That's right. And this game is out on, it came out just recently, 2023, just a couple of months ago. And it is out for the new gen systems, PS5, Switch, Xbox Series platforms, and PC
1: including that old Chestnut Game Pass.
0: That's how we're playing it, or I'm playing it anyway. <laughs> no doubt. So, uh, so what type of game is this?
1: Well, this is a puzzle game primarily, and I, I played this a couple of months ago, or when it first came out at least, a month or so ago, and I held off on on, on discussing it at the time in the, in the hopes of getting you to play it, because I thought at the very least this would be a good sort of lens to talk about Puzzle games as a genre. Sure. Uh, so this is a a puzzle game. So isometric, top down. Uh, you you're playing a little guy, an insect, something <laughs> that, that's wandering around, interacting with orbs, jumping into orbs, like worlds within worlds. Play against more very weird reality bending things going on here. What you're doing. What you're trying to achieve, I'm not so sure. But you are solving puzzles with orbs.
0: Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to move forward. You're trying to advance, kind of like one of those walk right games, except you know you're walking in in all directions. You know, I was kind of wondering, is this a platformer? It's not really. There are platformers, but you don't jump, and that's the the main distinction. Well, this, this is a very minimal game.
1: As a as a like a, as a a go right. Game. This is the, the the designers of this were actually from Playdead, who made, who made Inside and Limbo. Uh, I believe what was his name? Ye- Yeppe Carlson. He was the one of the directors on Inside, I believe. And recently, we discussed other, some other co-founders of Playdead had gone on to to make Somerville. And so it was very interesting to to compare this with other. It's a sort of divergent evolutionary path of what the the the, the previous Playdate developers are working on now, from Somerville and this.
0: <laughs> yeah, although you know this sort of world exploration game with puzzles, that's not extremely new, is it? it, it this they add a nice unique twist but the overall concept of a walk anywhere explore sort of thing has been around really if you think about it since like the original uh, Legend of Zelda so it has some DNA in common to that but certainly um, yeah the, uh, the, the pedigree of the publishers and developers of that popular new style of game yeah, the controls for this are are very minimal. It's uh it's a one stick sort of thing, one button sort of thing. There's there's no jump, mm. but there, there is a kind of like a activate button, I would say. Yeah,
1: action button.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it does various things, but mostly pick up those orbs, put down those orbs and then enter those orbs and then turn on some switches, I would say, is the 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 primary things yeah, that various you do in the same
1: flavor of, of switch or just in, interface of some kind it's not very clear what you're doing in any of these cases it's all very abstracted shall we say
0: yeah so you're this little bug and you land on this world and you walk around you know you walk around and the, the character is cute in a kind of a minimal way he has uh, he obviously has arms but uh, you don't really see that level of detail what you see are his wings kind of like Hanging behind him as he does Naruto runs across <laughs> every every level. And he's very lo-fi, uh, uh, intentionally. Actually, you know, all the worlds are pretty lo-fi. They're low-poly, minimal, kind of muted color palettes, very atmospheric, and it kind of looks like some new age crystals and incense, uh, like magazine or something like that, or poster very, very minimal. I will say in terms of yeah, the uh, it, what art was direction, the,
1: it's a little bit like Geiger without all of the the phallic imagery, basically, and just the, these like weird geometric shapes and minimalist abstraction of, of, of landscapes and, and technology
0: yeah i guess that's true the early on it's very geometric and very kind of crystal like and i guess there are kind of like four separate worlds if you really want to break it down that you travel to but eventually you get into very kind of like organic body fleshy, horror shall we say? fleshy <laughs> yeah exactly so th- and then there's this one that's kind of like very organic and swampy and then kind of everything in between but all very minimal because you know i think they want to they want to make the puzzle design very very obvious and very very clear
1: yes yeah it's it's all it is always clear way even though the, the backgrounds are very are very involved there's a lot going on around you but the the path forward is generally is generally pretty clear the 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 sides of the path are, are, are quite well defined
0: yeah, there are these consistently designed interactive elements. And I, I don't know how many there are, but there's less than kind of like less than 10. There's probably like six or eight kind of consistent UI elements that exist throughout. They exist throughout the four different worlds. And they're basically types of switches. They're types of things you can put the orbs down in. There are types of buttons you can press to do certain things. Levers to pull. <laughs> Levers to pull. There are these kind of like tubes that you put the orbs in, and they do a kind of like a marble run down these tubes. There are these gates that allow your character to pass through, but you're not allowed to carry the orb through with you. And then there's these orbs even have their own unique ability if you match them with certain equipment, like the white orb shoots out this this beam that kind of activates this crystal. And then um, the, the red
1: orb sort of reveals path, like invisible paths.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's kind of like this laser vision or something like that. And the green orb kind of switches these lifter devices up and down when you hold it or when it gets hit with that aforementioned kind of laser beam. So yeah, there, there's a lot of shared elements. And I think the UI for those components is very clear and consistent. And kudos to that because... The world, the world's being so varied and so kind of organic. You kind of need that consistent design language to really uh, clue the character, clue the player in on exactly what it's asking you to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's that. That is probably where this game shines because there is no text, there is no tutorial. I mean, there's no explicit tutorialization. There's no like no no words or even diagrams are presented right. to you. The only way like no, this game teaches no you guidance. by teach by doing basically. Like, it presents you with a button, and your your only option is to press that button and see what happens. So you, you it, it presents these little lessons to you very organically, generally you you learn how the language of these puzzles work just because you have no other option generally
0: right and it takes a a heck of a lot of trial and error to learn those lessons because you know in a less disciplined game in in terms of its design you probably see like a a little wooden board and the wooden board has like a little diagram like like mario does this or kirby hits the switch like this a little cutesy non-verbal you know designation indication of what you should be doing but this game doesn't even have that and it did you know it it does give you a little bit of frustration at times i mean you get over it but like they're just minimal right like another game would try and reduce all of those speed
1: bumps to yeah, make I, it I've, as
0: good as possible.
1: I, I generally found very little friction here, at least early on. That, that's something I wanted to discuss with with puzzle games generally, in that I, I, I like puzzle games, but I don't have a lot of patience for them. And mm-hmm. it, inevitably you get to this point where you just have to learn something by trial and error. You've got half a dozen different items with you and different buttons to press and things to do. And you don't know what, you're capable of doing. You don't know what the language of the game is yet. And it seems to, there's it wants to lead you to these aha moments. But when you look up the solution, it's like, well, I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. And the game wanted you to learn that organically. But you, when you have so many, you're presented with a lot of options, that can be quite hard to do. Whereas this, you, you only have that one button. There's very little ways to interact with the world. So generally, you're going to bump into that pretty easily. Yeah,
0: the the frustrations I was talking about are very, on a very small scale. I'm not talking about, I didn't understand what the puzzle is asking me to do. I'm talking about, I didn't know I could do that because you didn't tell me I could do that. So one instance of that was like... <laughs> yeah, give me, give me the, an example. Yeah, the first example is putting the orb in those sort of pools... Uh-huh. And this was like the very first time, right? So the very first time you put the orb down in the pool, it's very easy. You have the one interaction button and there's this little divot that points up and you can put something down. Great. I put something down. You you know, there's other cases, too, when you put the orb down and it activates something, an additional thing. But there's nothing telling you stand near the orb, but not next to it and hold and down hold the A the button bu- instead okay. of tap.
1: Yeah right? I can see yeah I don't remember the feedback exactly for that uh, but I mean I, th- I think when you when you press the button it, it, it starts to zoom in and the music swells a bit but if you just tap the you button know that if you just tap it yeah so yeah but maybe that that could have been like right. again That's if you, you know the hold is distinct difference. from press yeah it's it's tough <laughs>
0: yeah so I'm talking about that level of really microscopic areas that w- were frustrating the first time and obviously, once you know you that's get a thing,
1: it. then yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The puzzles, admittedly, were pretty like pretty dead simple, and that was a knock I I would give to this game really early on. The first, I don't know, half or three quarters of the game is is yep. a real snore because these puzzles are super simple and also, uh, and this is where I'll make my comparison to Resident Evil. So Resident Evil, the, the thing that's cool about them is that you are in surprisingly a very large world. And, you know, this game, Cocoon is very large in scope. Like it's kind of almost like, uh, like across an entire solar system, which is a, a nod to what you see eventually. But, and you go worlds within worlds within worlds, which is thematically very, very cool. But really in terms of design space, Resident Evil has you tackling like 12 or 15 puzzles at any given time because you're in the world, you're traveling through, you're picking up pieces. You don't even know what they connect to.
1: To be fair, a lot of those puzzles are just keys though, right? (laughs) Just finding, find the angel key or find the the frog key or something, you know, and and, and lining it up with the right door. (laughs) A lot
0: of them are like that, but they're also like directional puzzles. Like, I know I need to get there, but I can't go there directly. So I have to find an alternative way to do it. And one of them might be only one directional. And I might even only be able to go to that section from a floor above it or a floor below it. So the puzzle is much larger because it's a multi-step puzzle. And this game eventually has multi-step puzzles, but most of the time you're only ever tackling one puzzle. And in that sense, I was... Dissatisfied because most likely because I was literally playing Resident Evil 2 at the <laughs> same time. So in one case, I have a game that feels broad, it feels realistic, it feels, and because a lot of that is because aesthetically it looks like a lived-in world. And yeah. then, like I'm come to this little tiny game from a tiny uh, <laughs> developer, and I'm tackling these rinky-dink puzzles one at a time. Uh, it just felt like a kind of like a insult, you know, like a slap I in mean, the
1: face. Yeah. Puzzle games generally in comparison. Like, would present you with one thing at a time. Like any of these, like what was it? Baba is you or uh, Steven sausage roll. There's a lot of these puzzle games. It just presents you with puzzle one, a puzzle one B and you go through them pretty uh they go one you go at through a time. them linearly and this right? at least is like all built into a in a, into a linear world flowing one into the other and like th- they're not going to force you to think a whole lot generally but it, it, it's more puzzling as a as a sort of plat- almost as a platforming sense like rather than just yeah. jumping over this thing solve a, solve a quick puzzle and it, it does keep you moving forward it has a pretty good flow There's this sort of sense of propulsion that reminded me a little bit of of sort of portal that you, I mean, you generally, you would get sort of test chambers that would force you to stop and think. But generally when you're moving from A to B, you're just, you're just moving portal, portal, like zap zipping forward. And it doesn't have the physical propulsion, but this has that, the, the general sense of always moving forward that I, that I quite enjoyed.
0: Yeah. I, I see how you enjoy it. And I also <laughs> see how... Maybe I'm just a dummy. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like it's a lot of this is taste, right? So I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can accept that other people would enjoy that more. And you were saying that you often get bored of puzzle games if if it's not pushing you get forward, is that what you said?
1: Them.
0: Well, yeah, I, you're, yeah, you're, you're I get impatient I don't yeah. know
1: what it wants from me. I don't know what the language is. And this this toes that line pretty easily. It's not about being smart at solving it. It's the game letting you feel smart when you find the solution. And this provides just enough friction. It stops you to think for just long enough that you can solve it before having to look up the solution <laughs> at least at least they hit that balance for me and the, the puzzles do get more involved later on there's some pretty cool like, even if they're not hard to solve you at least get that cool oh I see what they're doing like those you do get those cool aha moments and you, you can appreciate the cleverness of the puzzle even if it wasn't that hard to figure out
0: yeah I am I'm not saying there aren't interesting devious even well thought out puzzles in this game. But I suppose I dislike that the linearity because it's it it frustrates me more than something that was broader. Remember we talked the other day about Elden Ring versus Bloodborne or Dark Souls or something like that. How if I get frustrated in Dark Souls 3 or something with this puzzle or this boss, I can't advance forward. Like, that's as far as I've gotten. Whereas Mm. in a game like Elden Ring, if I get frustrated with this boss or this particular part of the world, I can walk away and do something else. And in a sense, it's the equivalent here. It's these nonlinear puzzles or the linear puzzle sequences. If I get trapped, if I get stuck in a linear puzzle, I can't walk away, clear my mind. I'm literally pressing up against the brick wall. And, yeah, I think that's pretty you know,
1: common in puzzle games these days, though. Like, you just have to work through them from A through Z. Like, it's in, uh, oftentimes it's literally a list of puzzles one screen at a time.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it, I wish it, it, games weren't that way. Like, <laughs> I wish it wasn't just like a laundry list of things I had to get through. I wish it felt more organic, like a world where maybe I can finish the game if I finish 90% of the 100 puzzles, you know? Have you
1: played The Witness?
0: I haven't played The Witness, I own The Witness, and I've heard quite interesting. many things about it.
1: That does have it's a so- more elders, elder, uh, sorry, Elden Ring sense of right. various hubs that you can go to and... and- at at your own leisure it's a little too philosophical for its own good <laughs> it's a little a, little, uh, a little, little pretentious shall we say at times but i did really appreciate that that style of puzzling um but not to let's not bring this back on topic
0: <laughs> yeah another comparison i might make is a, a game like mist that it has dozens Mm. and dozens of puzzles but there's no linearity to it right like at any given point even if you can advance to the next part of the world so to speak there's still like seven puzzles in one area and i can freely walk between them and you might even have some puzzles where you actually have to walk back and forth you reveal a part of a puzzle over here you walk over here you find another part of it you bring them together and then see, you're able to advance.
1: That that gets to one of my other pet peeves about puzzle games is this. Again, part of the trial and error, you're given a, a, lot, a whole bunch of tools, a whole bunch of options, and then the sense of of trying the the, the various solutions out often requiring a lot of setup or like it, whether you're physically walking from one spot to another or setting up equipment. Like I'm thinking Talos principle and you're setting up lasers and mirrors and well, it, let's see if this works, spend five minutes setting up components or walking to the right spot. Oh, it didn't work. Let's do that. All again. Like that I have very little patience for. And again, maybe because it's, I, it's because I sort of lean on the trial and error sense, but I don't like having to sort of the, 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 The busy work of setting up (laughs) a potential solution, whereas here it's all very immediate. Press a button, move forward. And there's towards the very end, there's a couple of sort of multi-step solutions where you have to place—no, not to put any spoilers—but there's a a, a few sort of things you have to move around and and position in the right spot. But that—that's in the minimum at the very end.
0: Yeah, and it's. I think it's no spoiler to say eventually you unlock multiple orbs, and it's the, it's the very theme orbs. of the game. And then each of the orbs represents a world, and at some point you might have to nest orbs within orbs to access things. Carry and then, over
1: an obstacle or something, yeah.
0: <laughs> right, and then the orbs also sort of become portals and this there was a lot of design language similarity between this and Portal 2 is almost as if each orb was an end of the portal gun so to speak yeah. some puzzles were yeah. precisely like that and yeah you're right there were uh, some puzzles near the end there were only about 2 or 3 that were multi-stage puzzles you had to set up all of the orbs in a very very specific order and i thought those were quite clever but and in the game they- they- <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they require just as much tedious setup and? Uh, well, yeah, and I I,
1: I, do, I wouldn't have loved a whole lot of that put that way. It was just enough of it at the very end. Yeah, but a, a lot more of that, and I would have gotten frustrated. But it, again, it was it was just the right spot before I got frustrated, and maybe that's it, just finely tuned enough for me.
0: Yeah, it it it's probably amounts to taste and you know if, if if it's subjective that's fine you know people can like this more or people can like the other method more i just suppose that in linear games like this i just sort of feel like i'm a rat rat running a <laughs> maze you know i have to do these continual ab tests in that eventually like even a rat or like a slime mold could solve it like there's that scientific study where in in japan they they made slime molds Attracted towards several key parts of a uh, of a map, essentially, and they recreated the Tokyo uh, uh, subway system uh, because just through organic rules. So, in, in that sense, I just felt like I'm running through, Don't going amaze. through the motions, <laughs> going through the motions, just sticking places mm. in the right spot. And also, there's no there's no subtlety to that, right? There's no nuance. Is like you have to have the right answer, as yeah, opposed it's, it's- to. Something like a monkey island where you could solve a puzzle in multiple different ways, potentially.
1: Yeah, again, this isn't really stretching my brain here, but it just—it makes me feel just smart enough. It just scratches that itch. It's puzzling as a as a vibe, basically, rather than uh, yeah. it, it, it's nice to sort of chill out with without without yeah. overtaxing your your, your, your the, the the gray matter there.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. It's like also about the scope the scope of the game too, right? Yeah. Like this is clearly a cute little indie.
1: It's like a f- five hour ish, five six hours, shall we say. I, I will say. Uh, I, I don't love the setting. I said we. Uh, I mentioned before sure. it is... this is so. It doesn't sound like I'm too uh, enthusiastic about this. Like it, it is. It, it looks very neat, but it doesn't feel like it's a particularly interesting world. Like it doesn't feel in- internally consistent. Uh, it's just yeah. a w- bunch of weird shapes and and. Weird technology they're all doing weird stuff, but that doesn't really cohere together. I mean you just you don't have any information or giving in it like as far as we know we're we're the bad guys, like we're taking these orbs from these other bugs because that's the only option we have to do. We have no context for what we're doing or why we want to achieve it other than must go forward must complete puzzles so yeah there's very little reason to care about the setting or really have any sort of context there. It's a little true yeah, extract, shall we say?
0: <laughs> I, I agree, hundred um, percent. I thought the designs were all pleasant to look at, but the moment I got through an area, I instantly forgot everything that I saw. I yeah, it forgot. all bl-
1: it all blends together a bit.
0: Yeah, there's really just no character. Like even the cocoon, your your main guy is cute enough, but like is he's so lo-fi that I couldn't say more than two things about him, other than he's small and he's got wings. And then there's these other sort of creatures. They're sort of like things, obstacles you overcome. Well, there there are literal boss fights in this game. Yes, yeah, those were kind of cool, but you know, also pretty rudimentary. Like they aped a lot of 2D Zelda kind of boss uh, fight sort of things. You know, you there's a pattern. You hit them three times, and they're
1: dead. Yeah, and then which uh, it was a bit more platforming involved with that, more than puzzling necessarily. Again, it was like look for look for the thing you can interact with, and and do- dodge the the bad stuff, and go go interact with the interactable thing. <laughs> uh, so again, the the actual dexterity elements were more tricky than the puzzling elements in many cases like that.
0: Right maybe in summary in terms of design i just think this game lacks a lot of personality and it has like almost zero narrative other than like bug lands on world bug needs to escape world bug wants (laughs) all yeah i could think of like plenty of other games that sort of single-player puzzle platformers that sort of have similar dna you know like there's so many i could mention that are uh, on Game Pass even, like there's a Short Hike, Death Store, Toem, Unravel, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, Tunic. <laughs> I know they're not exactly the same. Some of them have yeah. much more explicit combat.
1: Some of them uh, that combat can be a friction against when you just want the puzzle. If you know what I mean. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't t- know. Tunic
1: I, was definitely that. Tunic was just the puzzle. The, the combat was tuned way too high.
0: Yeah. Death Store actually has decent amount yeah, of combat it's difficulty fun, yeah. too They're sort of like souls likes in a way too right so maybe i'm stretching the comparison there but of all of those games that i mentioned beyond they have way more personality and much more character yeah. interesting <laughs> worlds and yeah literal character than cocoon does um i think cocoon is pretty serviceable but uh yeah you know i was i was dragging myself back to the game just to complete it for this and i did I did reach the end 10 minutes before we started recording <laughs> and you know, I, I'm glad I played it, but also like, it was a real struggle, you know?
1: So understandable. I, I, I just thought it was a fascinating study in how a game guides you to, to, to learn its language uh, in, right. in, a, in a word, a wordless form of communication, like pu- puzzles as a language. I thought it was, a, it was a pretty interesting means of that. One thing we didn't mention is that it, it, Very in many ways restricts your options and locks you off from returning to where you came, and so you don't get overwhelmed and like oh I I don't see the option here I better double back. So sometimes it's it's like it will literally put up a gate behind you, but sometimes usually it's a lot more organic than that. Like you have uh, you'll carry an orb across a a platform that's that's one way only, or that you can't you can't carry like you need the orb to cross the platforms, you need to leave an orb behind that you can't. It'll just restrict your options at any given moment in a, in a sort of organic way, so that you're not overwhelmed with options at any given moment, and so it sort of guides you in, into a, into finding the solution in a pretty clever way. I thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's clearly very subtle design touches that we're not conscious of because much smarter people than us created this game, and and kudos to them. They did a they did a, a, a very good job. And I should also say, in case someone is going to complain, there is a very small amount of going off the beaten path. There were these side exploration things. There's very little of it. But there there was there. And there were these kind of also like annoying switch puzzles, like you have to
1: press these five switches in the environments in the right order. Yeah.
0: And so many of those puzzles are like, I know exactly what I need to do, but like, it's annoying to time this physically doing it. Or anyways, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally <laughs> describing what a puzzle is. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you got to be in the mood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, one final thing I, what I did appreciate about this is it's, I think it's very well edited. It doesn't, there's, there's very little fluff here. It doesn't, reiterate an idea over and over and over again. Like it teaches you a lesson, then it moves on. It teaches a new lesson. And move. like it's, it's As I said earlier, has a very good sense of propulsion with very little filler. It's constantly moving on to a new concept.
0: Yep, I'll give you that. It has enough different design challenges. And the, the real challenge of the game is when it mixes five or six tasks together in a satisfying way. And when you can figure it out in your head before it happens, then you feel good. And, and that is that is a good thing. That is a successful yeah. uh, game design achieved.
1: If you like feeling smart about solving puzzles, but you're not very smart,
0: <laughs> this
1: is the game for you.
0: <laughs> or you can only handle puzzles in very uh, limited uh, bite-sized pieces. Yeah. 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 Successful game accomplished there. OK, should we wrap it up? Talk I about so. our next game? Guess All right.
1: Let's close it what,
0: what we What are we playing next there, Daniel?
1: Well, we've, we've hinted a couple of times in the recent episodes that we have been playing the Fallout tabletop role-playing game. So, I think we're going to finally dive in and give our impressions on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's kind of a challenge. Like, a role-playing game doesn't have an end, right? It doesn't have an end like a certainly a board game or even a video game does. You could literally play any role playing game forever. So, we'll we'll just be covering our our impressions of it. But I think it will yeah. be a fun discussion.
1: Well, I, I this is my first role playing game in in many years. So, I don't have a great point of reference, but Mark obviously has a lot more perspective on on various other role playing games. So, I think that'll provide an, an interesting dichotomy there in comparing our experiences.
0: Yeah, and the player versus the game master, the game moderator will is an in, inherent Difference in in perspective, so that'll make it interesting, too. Excellent. All right. Any shout outs or reminders
1: for anyone? No, but uh, if if you have any comments on Cocoon or thoughts on the Fallout role playing game, you can contact us at omnigamersclub at gmail.com. I'm still tentatively on Twitter and Blue Sky.
0: Right. And I just was just reminded that I had a, uh, not to end on a sad note, but I had a, um, a neighbor, a friend of the family, a very, you know, a very wonderful person pass away recently in my community here in uh, East Vancouver. The mother of one of my, uh, children's closest friends died. And he, uh, the son, Solomon, is, um, Orphans. now uh he has some extended family coming to help but we've set up a gofundme so if you can if uh, any of that is of interest to you learning more about his story about their story you can go check that out his name is solomon nolt n-e-a-u-l-t go check out that campaign and please contribute it to it it's very very impactful to people here in East Vancouver um, in the near the Strathcona elementary school community and uh, the community where I live. So please go yeah, check. Sorry
1: to here I'm sure we can put a link to that in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Great idea. I'll go do that. Well, thanks so much for listening to us and I'm looking forward to the next episode. And I think even there'll be more alternative episodes coming in the future like um, you might be doing some event coverage down the line, too. Yes, right? I so, have a
1: big trip coming up very soon. <laughs>
0: yeah, fun stuff to come. So until then, I hope everyone has a very balanced diet of gaming.
1: Doing it, your games. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Take care.
0: care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.